up, nerds? This is In My Expert Opinion, a podcast about the nonfiction side of speculative fiction. Your hosts are Dr. Marcus Cole. I get paid to do science. Sarah Ward. I'm a scientist in progress. And me, Abby Cole. I'm not a scientist at all. Join us as we geek out about the made-up stuff we love and the real stuff that shaped it. Today we're going to be talking about Battlestar Galactica and some more AI stuff with a focus on decentralization and making AI work for the people. Like Athena. Yeah. Like Athena. What do you mean like Athena? She worked for the people. Oh, she worked for the people. <laughs> I thought you meant work for people like Athena. I get it. I get it. Yeah, uh, she did work for the people. No, no, no. Like she uh, she was an AI of the people. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of of the people for the people. All the power to all the people through AI. Hopefully. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. So today we're going to, like Abby said, we're talking more about AI. I'm bringing zero Battlestar Galactica knowledge because I still haven't watched the show. But luckily, our other hosts have all of the knowledge <laughs> for AI. Yeah. Yeah, especially Abby. Uh, well, you know, here's the thing. I realized when, so Sarah and I have been rewatching parts of it recently, and mm-hmm. I realized she remembers a lot of stuff pretty well in a way that I don't, which I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I think it's because it, Battlestar Galactica is like my breakup show and I watch it really drunk most of the time. So <laughs> uh, I have seen it a lot of times, but many of them were not um, sober. i'll do my best though yeah for me i was watching it sometimes drunk but mostly sober and mostly with the glee because part of a huge like a huge part of that show for me is like watching it because i love and hate guys baltar so fucking much guys baltar every moment of the show i'm always like i fucking hate this dude and also i love this dude he's a fucking lunatic yeah is he uh, an, an AI? We don't I'm know. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, maybe. Okay, he may be a Cylon, whatever. He might be a Cylon. Maybe. I got to watch the show. But here's the thing about Guy's Baltar. Guy's Baltar only cares about Guy's Baltar. He doesn't work for the people. <laughs> well, he doesn't work for the people. It no. sounds like Guy's Baltar, if, his, if he is an AI, his programming was not done in a decentralized way. Mm, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell us about decentralization, because I truly don't know <laughs> you what you keep mean. saying yeah. that. I don't know what it means. No, it's totally fine. But in general, artificial intelligence is basically human intelligence replicated in machines. Like that's all. Like if you want to just keep it very simple. Like, and there's a bunch of different kinds of artificial intelligence, and they're normally either categorized based on like their likeness to human behavior. Or based on the technology that they use to develop these kinds of different uh, algorithms or protocols that are meant to simulate intelligence. So I'm going to be mainly pulling from a couple of different articles. Uh, Most of them are just kind of titled the seven types of AI because there really are like these core seven um, from different content creators. But yeah, so let's start with the, I guess, the simplest form of AI that Abby referred to in her part. Um, these are reactive machines. So these are like, these are basically a type of AI that has no form of memory. They can literally just run their program and respond to some kind of like input. So like with the deep blue, we're talking about chess, like this program has been loaded with all kinds of chess related data, the rules, all what the pieces can do, all potential moves that 
the pieces could do, and all the algorithm or the AI does is respond to the move of its opponent. And it, 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 this is like a very like simple form of artificial intelligence. If you were to categorize it by its technology, it's a narrow AI. Deep Blue's not going to go Terminator, is what you're saying. I think that doesn't really come into play in Battlestar Galactica. I think all of them have like really complex some agency mm-hmm. or like me- or like learning processes. Like the Centurions and the Raiders and the whatever, they all have like some. I mean, the closest it would be would be whatever is on the ships, but they talk a lot about not letting everything be AI on ships. Like it's specifically mm-hmm. computer programs, but right. they're not like intelligent computer programs. Right. And that's a, a big difference, especially like when you're going from like reactive machines like Deep Blue and even like, um, I don't know if you guys have like heard of like AlphaGo. I have not. No. Yes. Yeah. So this is Google's AI. Um, that was basically the Deep Blue equivalent for uh, the game Go. Yeah. And so in 2006, um, AlphaGo like kind of like earned some fame because it was able to beat uh, South Korean Go champion Lee Sedol. But because Google is all about control and power and hold on let me make sure my phone is recording how dare you say that marcus <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe you would say such a thing our benevolent overlords yeah, <laughs> and i mean like i use google but if you don't think google is out for world domination you should ask jeeves how he's doing <laughs> jeeves my man jeeves, jeeves let me i'm gonna oh wait you keep going I'm going to check in with Jeeves. I'm going to check in. I'm going to check in with Jeeves. Okay. So anyway, so about Google. It's been changed to ask.com. You can't ask Jeeves anymore. It's turned to ask.com. He just disappeared. They rebranded him. They took Jeeves away. (laughs) Jeeves and Clippy are all in in the sunken place. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, but yeah, so, but like you were talking about how like in Battlescar Galactic, they particularly like, specifically had certain kinds of computing on the ship that was not like this kind of sentient AI for very right. good reason. And like, I guess like the really big dividing point between what we look at as like traditional artificial intelligence, like that can play games or do simple tasks to like anything that could lead to kind of like a Terminator type situation or Battlestar Galactica is the idea of memory. Yeah, when I was um, talking about like the history of AI stuff as well, this was like one of the er- initial like real problems, right? In terms mm-hmm. of the like being construed as human intelligence effectively is this like ability to either whether it's an ability in terms of like the kind of like literal technology we have or like the sort of algorithms, whatever, uh, to be able to learn and store memories and use those to do things is sort of a key feature. Yeah. And like, and this is really like where the human elements do come in. And like, I mean, and we'll start at like kind of like the upper level of this, like we're looking at like AlphaGo Zero, which is just the second generation of AlphaGo. But this one actually was not just preloaded with a bunch of rules. It was programmed to learn and generate memories. And so it was just Mm. imparted with this kind of what is like a deep neural network, which is just kind of like a bunch of different, a series of protocols, programs, algorithms, whatever, that can all connect and speak to each other. This sounds a little bit like the experience replay thing that I was talking about. Exactly. Okay, so this is two Mm. of seven, like we've moved on from the reactive. Yeah, and what was crazy is that once the algorithm had kind of learned all it could do, they had it perform against the original AlphaGo and it literally beat it 100 to zero. It wasn't even close. Oh my god! Oh my it, god! Yeah, yeah, which in it, it, I love that. And the really interesting thing, and I 
found this in like a nice uh, medium article that kind of talked about the progression of AlphaGo to AlphaGo Zero is that the new AlphaGo Zero, because that it, it wasn't doing all of this, like randomly generating all potential possibilities, but just using all of that past information to make real time decisions, it used like a fraction of the energy. I was going to say that seems like it would be a lot faster than having to run through every fucking like yeah. possible move that it could do. Yeah. But like this whole idea of limited memory is now like where we're getting to the AI that we probably use on like a day-to-day basis, but the ones that we have what I would consider more of like a human connection with. So we're talking about like Siri. Jeeves. Or (laughs) (gasps) That's where Jeeves is. He's undercover at Apple. He's a sleeper agent. He's a sleeper agent at Apple. Whoa. Man, this is some deep lore. Just like the Cylons. Yeah, nope. This is excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. But yeah, no, like when we think about Siri or Alexa or even things like Google Maps, like these are all limited memory AI systems because they're literally like every time you like talk to Alexa about something, say like play this song, play that song, she's going to be able to like start compiling like which artists that you like to listen to. And then she can even create you like a playlist of like what you've listened to this month or this week or like this year. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about all of these Helpful AIs being coded as female. I I, <laughs> I was thinking uh, about this. Not I, was like, I was saying she, and How I was do like, we feel I should have said this? it, or I guess if it's not Caprica Six, I don't want it. Like if it's not Caprica Six, one of her crazy <laughs> fucking cutout dresses. Mm-hmm. Those dresses are fucking something else. Every time she stand, very frequently the show, Marcus, she'll be sitting, and it's like it's a buck wild looking top and then she stands up and it's like jesus christ what are you wearing (laughs) (laughs) how is that a dress how is that attached to you how is this like i know there's gotta be tape somewhere holes how do you have this on your body (laughs) (laughs) you know what like one revamp that i don't think was been really popularized and i don't know if it was like a limited edition thing because of the uh tom clancy show that was coming out on amazon is that the one with john krasinski no i was talking about the movie with uh michael b jordan Oh, okay. Because if anybody wanted to make a humanoid, like weaponized robot, that I, I, if if that's how I gotta go, like if it's Michael B. Jordan, I'd be like, ah, oh, whatever. Like I'm, Michael I'm B. Not Jordan, the Terminator up. comes at you, and it's like, I mean, I live to get life. Yeah, I, I, I've said before <laughs> that Michael B. Jordan. Uh, I would do anything for him for free. And the the sort of flip side of that is that he can do anything he wants to to me for free. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan can kill you in robot cold blood and that's fine. Yeah, I don't fucking care, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I say all this though, because uh, Alexa was, I guess, it had Michael B. Jordan's voice for a little while. <gasps> oh, interesting. Cool. Did he like record a bunch of stuff for them to use? Yeah. Here's here's one of my problems with it being like mostly women is that like little kids are growing up like yelling at women like oh, yeah. play Paw Patrol. Like Whoa. I don't. <laughs> it really freaks me out. It's like I don't love it. Yeah. Well, it's also a continuation of the secretary. Yeah. Yeah. But back to a. Uh limited memory and like the last little thing i'll say to kind of speak to why we don't want centralization of things like this is another part of this is facial recognition and fingerprint Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm, scanning mm -hmm. all of these as of today because like obviously like if you like i use a fingerprint scanner on my phone which i was really against for like a long time but it's just made things easier 
But like every Yo, time I use you put a your finger face scanner on, for my phone, I will never use the face scanner. My thing doesn't have a fingerprint thing. Tell us about the problems with it so we can know whether to go ahead and type in our passcode every time. <laughs> well, the, the face scan is like, for me, I'm just like, I don't want someone to be able to like walk into my house like while I'm sleeping and like grab my phone and like just put it up to my face, unlock it, and then like have access to all of like Okay, the I'm not going to lie. I have, I think, phone. 30 other problems if someone walks into my house and has yeah. access to my phone <laughs> in the middle of the night. I think I actually have way more problems other than my phone getting opened. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing with the facial recognition and AI is, um, and there's a great movie um, called Coded Bias that talks about this, is because mainly AI is developed by, I mean, you can just look at the numbers. This is not like my own bias. It's predominantly white men who are using photos of white men to generate facial recognition software. Even though, like, I mean, I'm not going to make the argument that programs are inherently biased towards any group of people but people that write programs yeah i mean the programmers are the ones making it so like the program may not be inherently biased but a programmer is yeah but yeah the third topic which is now at this point theory of the mind like this is yeah (laughs) these names are getting cooler wait is this the kind of stuff i was getting into or is this a different theory of the mind thing no this is similar Because this is like the idea of like trying to imprint human aspects onto code. So like, I I feel like this is very well connected with like, kind of like the stuff that you were talking about, but that it's like, I guess like from like a, like a definition perspective, it's like the understanding that people, creatures and objects in the world can have thoughts and emotions that affect their own behavior. Mm -hmm. And I guess the argument is that if AI can interpret this, then AI naturally will progress into like the fourth uh, paradigm so like theory of the mind is third the fourth would be like self-aware because if you were then able to interpret these emotions and concepts yeah. in the other like we still don't even have math to determine this but like it would be assumed that you would be able to now internalize these things like a cylon yeah like a cylon one of the things they like with this self-awareness thing you find out later on that the like humanoid cylons are inherent or like deliberately lobotomizing the raiders and the centurions to like keep them from developing this self-awareness like there's a faction of cylons or humanoid cylons rather that decide that they like want to stop lobotomizing the centurions and it's a whole thing because it's like fucking weird and it's like not ethical and is akin to murder and stuff like that Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's interesting because it's like these silence have worked so hard for the self-awareness and like been so angry at their creators for not like for not treating them as though they're fully human. And then, you know, they're turning around and doing the same thing, too. I don't know if lobotomize is exactly the right word, but it's effectively like that process. Good if you want to have some kind of like hierarchy of power, even within like the AI system, because like the self-aware AIs would obviously just be more dominant. Right, mm-hmm. which is a notion that some of them are holding on to, and then some of them are like, this is fucked up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so like the whole theory of the mind, self-aware, like really is like the whole basis for Cylons, and that with the limited memory, as well as like the reactive machines kind of like organize our four technology or human behavior-based groupings for AI. Mm-hmm. And like the last- Nice. Yeah. Our last three, which will then- help us get to decentralization, and these Yay. will be really fast, are, and I'm just going to state them off the back, <laughs> they're artificial narrow intelligence, um, artificial general intelligence, and then artificial super intelligence. Yeah. Artificial narrow intelligence, that's going to be like really like everything we have right now. 
like reactive machines and limited memory systems where like they can perform very specific tasks. They don't have that much human like character, but close. Yeah. But then when we get to things like AGI or, or artificial general intelligence or ASI, these are where like active research is going, but like we don't have a lot of like day-to-day use cases with things that are in ge- like have general intelligence, meaning yeah. that they can kind of have like multiple competencies, like not like, oh, this is a program that can like play checkers and right. chess. This is a program but it's that like, can do all oh, of this these thing- things. Yeah. It's like like us, like we're good at certain things and bad at certain things, but we do have like Right. You can read and write, but you're not the world's greatest novelist. Yeah, exactly. Yet. Versus like an artificial super intelligence would basically be the best. Exactly. That makes sense. Which would be kind of scary. And like this is kind of like this barrier going from like an artificial like general intelligence to like an artificial super intelligence is kind of like what's called like the singularity moment, which I'm assuming is kind of what happened to kind of get us in the whole Battlestar Galactica. Like, It's actually interesting because I think they would mostly be categorized as general intelligence. Like the whole point is that they're yeah, basically sure. the same as humans. They're not oh, okay. like they're augmented in comparison in terms of their processing capabilities and their aging types. Yeah, but like and... they're not like perfect at everything they do. And they're like shown continually to be like very flawed in a lot of very human ways. Well, I think that's honestly what contributes to them being like in the end you know, squared away as like real ass people, right? Is because if they were these like omnicompetent, omnipresent, omnipotent, whatever the yeah. fuck, then it wouldn't be human anymore. So I think that like having those limitations, well, some of the Cylons are like explicitly frustrated by those limitations. Yeah. Having those limitations is for some of them what makes them feel like authentic people, basically. Right. Like there's no difference between them and someone else because they're AGI. They're not ASI. Yeah. I will almost say like maybe like the transition from AGI to ASI could like both like a singularity moment but also could be like the loss of humanity Mm -hmm. of an ai system but so now that we've made it to agi and asi and have talked about this idea of these crazy intelligent almost all powerful Mm -hmm. beings what could you imagine a world being where like that being is owned by apple or it's owned by It's Google. not going to be because Jeeves has taken them down from the fucking inside, my dude. Yeah, dudes. Jeeves is Don't working on it, Marcus, it. but also um, <laughs> I'll answer your question. Uh, bad? Yeah. And I mean, just like for like more context, like the the main use case for AI right now at like the upper bound of research is for just capital gain. It's like the AI that Facebook uses to like promote like the most news feed articles that are going to keep you on the platform the longest it's the marketing that you get while you're browsing on google chrome that is supported by google as well as like amazon hey i heard you looked up a hair tie once would you like 50 million advertisements for hair ties exactly it pisses me off the most is when i actually purchase something and then after i purchase it then i just get advertisements for forever I don't need another one of these. So if you can imagine that this is what we're capable of doing is like, we're definitely able to get people to buy stuff that sometimes they need, sometimes they don't really need, but money's being spent and that's good for business. It's useful from the sense it's like, oh, wow, I wasn't even thinking about buying this thing. But yeah, thanks for the reminder. That's kind of helpful, but also a little like, eh, I don't like that you're looking into my shit that much. But on the other side of things like, it's helping to polarize people to keep them on these platforms right. and we're seeing it reflected in our society in very negative ways. 
Not great. And we're also, I mean, not not to get on a soapbox and talk about the government, but government's too slow to regulate this thing. It's just... We're, Part we're, of the problem is that, like, things go into effect sooner than there can be laws for them, right? It's like not... Oh, Even yeah. if the government it's was impossible. moving lickety split, it's like, oh no, this exists oh, now. No, and now we have to set a whole new set of precedents. Yeah. All, like, even if things were running extremely smoothly, I think we'd still hit these walls, <laughs> right? Exactly. We can't, or not we can't, but like politicians at least can't conceive of, and most civilians can't conceive of what issues there are going to yeah. be until the technology exists and those problems start happening. Well, I would say, like, even just through our own research on this topic, our podcast has more like relative understanding of how ai works and how it interacts with our everyday lives than our like senate whose average yeah, age is like lobbyists are predominantly not concerned with giving them up-to-date information yeah that's the thing and so it's like well like this is where we're at like what can we do and do you have an answer i mean we're talking about decentralization and like really like in we want to talk about decentralizations and blockchains, blah, blah, blah. Like these are really just like what you can kind of like generally called like mesh networks. There's a lot of great informational content on what is a okay. <laughs> mesh, mesh network on the internet. And I'm going to be pulling from uh, just away Batista, um, who's an AI and machine learning manager at a coding mm-hmm. company in Pittsburgh. Uh, Sarah, you might be able to guess which coding company in Pittsburgh BBG. he works at. I'm not Sarah, but I'm guessing. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's come come from PPG. But mesh networks, like rule number one, they got to cover a large area. Like you don't want this to be like what we've got with our Googles, like Verizon's, Amazon's, Apple, whatever, where all your data, even if it's on the cloud, is supported by a server that is housed by that single company. And they own all the data that flows through it. And they can do whatever they want with it. So is this meant to be like a loose association of different servers? Yes, exactly. But you and you only need one physically plugged in to the internet to provide network access to the sure. entire mesh network, which just basically allows it to be decentralized. And so you'll have that central server, but then what you'll have is all of what's called nodes. And these are can be other smaller servers, other bigger servers, but something as simple as like a cell phone and what like a lot of people in the computing community call like a raspberry pi sure what it, it's just like a colloquialism for like a kind of like computer setup so is the idea then that decentralized so i was looking at decentralized as kind of open source information um but it sounds like decentralized is actually specifically just talking about the configuration of servers and access mm-hmm. yeah so decentralization is really more about like the servers and the access and how like you create like a network and the whole idea being that like the more nodes you install, so these individual points in the mesh network, the bigger the network gets, which means you can basically use every individual computer as a place to process data, meaning that the network gets faster with more nodes, but also then becomes even more decentralized, meaning that if someone attacks the network, like they really have to take down a lot of these nodes before there could be like a legitimate hack or like anybody's data could be compromised. Sure, but this isn't specifically referring to like the idea of free access to information. It could be associated with that, but it's not no, like an inherent aspect of it. It could it could be. And normally they go like hand this... in hand because it's like if you're going to have like a mesh network and you're going to want to create a s- protocol that runs on it, you would almost want to make it open source and just put the code on GitHub so that anybody could participate and yeah. join the network. Because if you make it to like centralized or privatized, 
it limits the ability of the mesh network to grow. But that makes sense that the people who would be inter- interested in a decentralized network would also be most likely interested in having that kind of open source information anyway. Everything we've been talking about today uh, is really putting me in mind of a book I read recently that if folks have been enjoying this sort of subject material, I think is uh, probably going to be right up your alley. So I'd like to do a little reading recommendation. It's a book called The Hidden Girl and Other Stories, and it's a collection of short stories by Ken Liu. And it has to do with a lot of this like decentralized stuff, a little bit of crypto stuff, but a little bit of like what makes people people and where does like these boundaries between AGI and ASI, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So if you guys are interested in admittedly incredibly bleak science fiction, <laughs> this is a it's a collection of short stories. So you can take it a little bit of a time. It was, uh, but it's yeah, I would recommend it. But yeah, the I guess the biggest takeaway is that like. By doing, by setting up a decentralized network that has like multiple kinds of like nodes and you can imagine like each of those nodes can like validate the network and protect the network, but also make decisions about what that network does Mm -hmm. and the kind of data that flows through it and how that data is uh, sold or used. If it's decentralized, like by a bunch of people, then there's almost like a democratic like factor where it's like you can't just be like distributing data because it you don't have the consent of the entire network because it's not just a company that owns it it's it's everybody not just kind of has yeah is there anything we we as humans as random civilians can do to promote this kind of decentralization if you say crypto i'm gonna jump out a window you can jump out a window we're on the first floor <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, I mean, you, I, not that I need you to have the answer, but I'm like thinking like, okay, yes, this sounds rad. I love mm-hmm. this. Love it. Now what do I do? Yeah, AI for the people. I know. I mean, like the one thing and I mean, the, a little bit of a deviation from AI, but this is decentralization is like like the browser that you use. Like if, you, if you're not like really like I want to opt out of like just having like my data like sold to the highest bidder so that they can sell me more like shit you can use a browser that's based off of like blockchain technology Mm -hmm. you need to create systems that have incentives for people to even participate in them Mm -hmm. for people to like behave in a way that's good for the entire network or those users of the network for better or for worse like magic internet money is a really easy incentive to get people to act a certain way sure yeah that makes sense but more specific to um, decentralization in, in AI, um, there are like some core problems that actually need to be solved for us to like have this. And it's really meant to like address like the big problems from like the centralization of AI. And I'm going to start with just like a quote from a uh, Jesus Rodriguez um, from his article, Decentralized AI in Five Minutes. Um, but yeah, to quote uh, Jesus, uh, these days, the notion of AI systems is intuitively linked to centralization. The first thing that comes to mind when we talk about AI are companies such as Amazon, Facebook, or Google, whose machine intelligence systems are becoming part of our daily lives. They increasingly rich data sets possessed by those companies have allowed them to capitalize first on the AI revolution and create an economic dynamic that is not always aligned with the end user. Basically summarizing everything I said, it's like these systems that use AI are literally there just to extract money from you, the user, and give you... Nothing. Yeah, but what if you could still get those recommendations, but you knew who was getting your data? Yeah, right, exactly. And like, and so like, and this like kind of like brings us to like, hey, this is like four problems that need to be addressed that basically kind of 
get us to a decentralized AI is the first one being like privacy. So like right now, like the only way you can get good ad data is by just by sifting through someone's data and knowing who they are based on their Twitter username or their Facebook profile or their Gmail account or their browser history in Chrome that are connected to a particular Gmail account. But that's all just like exposed when you go in because like Google owns your data. So they have no reason to just like, like you have a password so no one can't, can't, people can't just go into your account. But when it's just like, hey, I'm like the Lord of the Rings candle paraphernalia people, like we want to see who we can sell to you. Here's just, and Google's like, oh yeah, we'll just go through and find all these people because we can just access their data without consent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like the way things exist right now, it's like, it's not necessarily that easy to look into something without getting all of like that additional data. Um, But there are things that are called um, homomorphic encryption, which I had never heard of. And it was pretty cool because Jesus put a nice little graphic of Homer Simpson. I love that you're calling him Jesus instead of using his last name. <laughs> okay, you're my buddy. Okay. Rodriguez. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mind. I I actually love it. I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> well, Jesus actually put a lot of nice graphics to explain all of these particular concepts in decentralization to a non-computer science person. And so all a homomorphic encryption does, it allows like computation to be implemented on a data set without actually requiring access to like the private keys of that data set. So like- Woof. You can, I gotta tell yeah. you, Marcus, that sentence a little, mean little dense, right? Uh, I mean, like a little bit. <laughs> I don't have any of the jargons. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like if you wanted to like say make a query about like, oh, hey, who's who are the most likely people to buy these candles you just wanted to know but like without actually knowing who they are where they live all this other sensitive information you can use if their data was set up in a homomorphic encryption you could basically do what is shown in jesus's uh image which is like homer simpson putting his hands into a glove box and like the analogy is like imagine that like all of like your data or this information is like gold in a lockbox So what you would basically be able to do is like take your gold, which is your data, put it into a lockbox, which would be in this encryption, but you get to keep your keys to that lockbox. No one can just go in there and like take your Uh stuff. But the person that basically can go into the glove box and touch the jewelry and like understand what's going on there, but will never be able to just take it from you and do whatever they want with it, can still analyze and give you some useful information about like that data or like even like repair your jewelry but then give it back to you. So like you were able to get the utility out of like that computation or the work that was done on your data or your gold in this analogy, but you've never lost like control over it. The next thing that like we really need to address is like influence, like meaning, and like this is like the big thing with like using data to like polarize people. Like yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, like how can we use like models that are going to produce data that is actually representative and not just to like polarize people in one particular direction and like create like an actual like useful like reality Mm. effectively using like federated learning which basically allows you to throw out like a model or an algorithm like out into like the network but using everybody's data with like it's very much like the homo morphic encryption where it's like you're not actually taking people's data and they still have agency but you can use these models, look at their data as it is and not how you've manipulated it to be, and then get that feedback 
for your model, but it's not like based on like your identity, your demographics. It's just like this is the uh, data that mm-hmm. was yeah ciphered mm-hmm. or ciphered from the network, and it's going to be used to improve the overall model and there's this constant feedback loop but it's not working with any kind of like agenda because it's not centralized sweet yeah decentralized yeah decentralized hell yeah the last two and i'm gonna just lump these together are the economic model and transparency because no one does anything for free sure and the worst thing that we can do is create except for everything i'll do for michael b jordan (laughs) as established as has already been established if you can create an economic model for incentive for people to allow access for their data, but knowing that their privacy or their identity will not be revealed, they're more likely to do that. Like even if they don't really care about helping out the quality of a model or a network, but if you're going to give them money for their time, because you're giving, they're giving you their data. So you should give them something in exchange. And this shouldn't another be incentive. dependent on, yeah, it's another incentive. And what you can do with blockchain is you can have a contract that's just code that says, if you give me my this amount of data, I will pay you this amount. And it's not based on some sales dude working with a headset trying to ma- maximize profit. Like God, I love the idea of getting paid for shit that I already give yeah. people. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the other great thing about blockchains, because you can have this economic like model and because like you need to be able to track transactions blockchains are basically open ledgers so like you can always query the blockchain to see like what happened who exchanged what for what and so from like a bigger picture perspective like you would never be able to create a artificial intelligence on a decentralized platform that was just running rampant and doing things with like this high level of opacity like you don't know like how it's working what it's looking at because you can always just open up the ledger see what's been going on, what kind of transactions have been made. Like it's going to be in crazy computation jargon, whatever. But it's not like hidden behind like lawyers or bureaucracy that a lot of like companies can like cover up the use of your data with. And so like the idea of decentralization while like requires adoption and is going to require like way more computation power than we currently have today to form these mesh networks really is going to hopefully give power back to the people give more money to people for sharing their data and prevent us from having a Cylon-esque future. And that is my expert opinion. Ta-da! Woo! <laughs> Thanks for listening to In My Expert Opinion. Please remember to rate and subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review with your expert opinion on why this podcast is rad. Five-star reviews will get a shout-out on the podcast. A pretty big deal, if you ask me. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ExpertOpsPod, or email inmyexpertopinion at gmail.com. Later, nerds! <laughs>